2 Samuel chapter 22 is where we're at. We're continuing our series of looking at um, the songs of the redeemed, the songs of God's people that have been recorded for us on the pages of Scripture. And as we've been noticing, we've been seeing that these songs had their birth in a prayer. And it was out of distress that they called upon the Lord. God heard their cry And in response to what God has done, the people of God praise the Lord as we have been encouraged and exhorted to do this morning. Today we're going to consider David's song, song, or not song, 2 Samuel chapter 22, might be song 22 as well, I don't know, Um, 2 Samuel chapter 22, we don't know when this song was composed in the life of David. The narrator, in, um, in putting together the, the account, the historical accounts, First and Second Samuel were originally one book, telling the stories of Samuel, King Saul, and then King David. The narrator of First and Second Samuel put this song at the end of David's life, and so we get the sense that this was near the end of his life. Chuck Swindoll in his book on biographical, uh, study, biographical study on the book of, uh, on the life of King David believed that this was one of the last songs that King David wrote. God has recorded this song two, twice in scripture here in 2 Samuel chapter 22 and also in Psalm 18. And so this song is given to us twice in Scripture. Not only does it David's song, but God included this song in the Hebrew hymnal to be sung by the people of God. We find ourselves living in a young man's world. Youth bring innovation and energy, they seek to move the ball down the field. Those of us who find ourselves living in the second half of life, we may not move as fast as we once did. We may find ourselves slow and resistant to change, but hopefully we bring wisdom. This song here is not the song of the warrior the Goliath saving, slaying David, but rather David the, the sage, David the elder statesman, David the king. And as David reflected on his life, he composed this song, not narrating his history, the history of a great and powerful king in Israel's history, but rather he wrote this song to tell of the actions of a great and powerful God. This was his testimony. And he not, sought not only to bring glory to God, but David was lifting the hearts and giving hope to his people. And so I want us to begin, it's 51 verses, and you're thinking, oh man, <laughs> we're going to read seven verses, and then we're going to let the seven verses springboard us into the rest of the song. You guys good? All right, 
Hope you have a copy of God's Word, 2 Samuel chapter 22. Let's read God's Word together, beginning with verse 1. David sang to the Lord the words of this song. When the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul, he said, the Lord is my rock. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? My fortress, my deliverer, my God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge and my savior from violent people. You save me. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise and have been saved from my enemies. The waves of death swirled about me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I called out to my God. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came to his ears. We'll stop there and we'll use the rest of this psalm here. Use these opening verses to launch us into the rest of the psalm. Verse 1 gives to us the context in which this song was composed. The Bible says that David sang this song to the Lord after the Lord had delivered him from all of his enemies, including from the hands of Israel's first king, King Saul. And although David was the king, his life was far from ideal. His life was a life which was delivered from what John Newton described in his hymn, Amazing Grace, from many dangers, toils, and snares. And through this song, we're reminded of two realities that we need to hold on to when we go through our own many dangers, toils, and snares. So David is reminding us And through his reminder, he's giving to us that which we must hold on to as we go through our own dangers, toils, and snares. You say, what are we to remember? Here's number one. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, remember who God is. We see this in verses two through four as the song begins. David declares and reminds and lifts up and he exalts who God is. He says, you are, the Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress. The word there for a fortress is a mountaintop stronghold. David is saying that that the Lord is like a fortress that's been carved out of a mountainous rock. If you were to go to Israel One of the sites that the tour guide would most likely take you to is when you get into the Dead Sea Basin, he'll take you to a place called Masada, which is the word that is used here in 2 Samuel chapter 22 for fortress. It's the word Masada. It was, Masada was a winter resort built by King Herod the Great. King Herod was the Herod that sought to exterminate, take the life of, infant Jesus, and situated there in the Judean desert, Masada is a 30-acre plateau 
perched on a 1,300-foot elevation above the rest of the surrounding landscape. This, when you go there, you see this multi-level resort that Herod built with elaborate plumbing that would heat the floors in the winter with huge water reservoirs, incredible storage facilities for food. In fact, in AD 70, when the Romans overthrew the city of Jerusalem, a thousand Jews escaped from Jerusalem to Masada. And there they survived for several years until a siege ramp was finally completed by the Romans and they were able to penetrate uh, the fortress. But this is the description that David uses here in the word of God to describe who the Lord is. He says, you're my fortress. In this world of filled with dangerous toils and snares, the Lord is my fortress. He says, my deliverer. The word deliverer is going to show up a number of times in this psalm. God is the one who would rescue and snatch his people from danger, the one who would deliver David and his people from all their enemies. So this is the the first of three descriptions, three a triad of three descriptions that David uses. The second begins in verse three, the first part of verse three. Again, David says, "My God is my rock." The Lord is unmovable. He's unchanging. He's invincible. If you go down to the hill country between Austin and Fredericksburg, you'll come to the Enchanted State Park where there's, it's a 425 foot high pink granite rock. That's all it is. Hot in the summertime. And that you, you imagine, you, you're driving there and all of a sudden this rock just shows up out of nowhere. And that's what David is describing the Lord. He says, he's like this rock, this, this immovable, inescapable, unavoidable rock. That's who the Lord is. He says he's my shield. He's my shield. The one who stands between death and danger. The one who deflects the arrows of the enemy. My salvation. He's the one who brings salvation. He, the second half of verse 3 brings us to that third triad of three attributes of God. He says, he is my stronghold. Again, a high point of refuge. And then he even goes on, he says that he is my refuge. A place of safety and security. A place to flee or a place to escape from danger, death, and destruction. And we saw the images at the start of this year of those Refugees, the thousands of people fleeing out of Ukraine with nothing but their belongings that they could take with them, escaping the old life to finding a place of refuge. My Savior, the Lord is my Savior. What is David doing here for us? He's praising God for who he is. Only the Lord 
is a refuge and a rock, a stronghold. He alone, the Lord alone, is immovable, steady, unchanging, sure, secure, dependable. Now think about all the things that we try to put our security in. Let's just start with people. Anybody ever been disappointed by anybody? <laughs> Only two people raise their hands. Wait, wait, you guys are living in heaven, man. <laughs> you think about people. What do we do? We take flight. We abandon those that we promise that we're going to, hey, I'm with you. I'll stand with you. <laughs> and then they're gone. And worse than that, we, not only do we take flight, but sometimes we become hostile. We become the enemies of those that we said, hey, we're going to stand with you. And so we've learned early in life that people are a poor source of hope. Circumstances, well, they change. We're, our circumstances are good one day and bad the next. One day we're high, the next day we're low. Our circumstances change. They're up and down like the waves of the sea. Our wealth, Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, so wealth um, sprouts wings and flies away. Received my water bill and my electric bill this week. <laughs> bye bye, paycheck. Flying away. Not so with the Lord. David here, this song of praise, he, he's lifting the, remember what he's doing? He's lifting the, the hopes and, and the reminding us of. Who God is. He's a rock. He's a refuge. He's a shield. He's a fortress. Listen to what the psalmist declares about who God is. Psalm chapter 20 verse 7. Some trust in chariots. Some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Psalm chapter 22 verse 5. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. Isn't that a great verse? To you they cried out and they were saved. In you they trusted and they were not put to shame. You put your trust in the Lord. I promise you this. You'll never get, back, uh, get to a place in your life where you'll look back and you'll go, man, that was a colossal mistake. What was I thinking? Trusting in the Lord. I promise you. You will never be put to shame on the authority of what God has said in his word. Psalm chapter 25, verse 3. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause, those who are deceitful or duplicitous, those who are varying, uh, varying they're one way this way and one way that way. It says those people like that will be changed, but the one whose hope solely rests in the Lord will never be put to shame. And so David here, as he looks back on his life, he remembers all that God has done for him. And he says, you are my rock, you're my refuge, you're my stronghold, you're my fortress, you're my deliverer, you're my savior, you're my salvation. And he goes on and on. And it's the same thing for us. You and I need to remember who God is. Remember where God has worked in your life. 
remember where God has brought you from. You say, well, I, I don't have much experience. Remember the record of God in his word. And hold on to this. The one who trusts in the Lord will never be put to shame. There's a second remembrance that the David gives to us here in these opening verses of this song. And that is through many dangers, toils, and snares. Remember what God does. Remember what God does. Some might object and say, well, man, David, your, your praise is over the top. You're, you're fanatical. You're, you're, you know, th- this is a real world, David. Get a grip on life. I mean, most people don't have this experience. I like how one commentator said it. The intensity of David's praise is matched by the extremity of David's distress. The intensity of his praise is matched by the extremity of his distress. Notice again why David um, praises the Lord. He describes his distress in verses 5 and 6. This is why his praise is so exuberant, so ecstatic. Look at verse 5 and 6 again. The waves of death, he uses four descriptions to describe his experience. The waves of death swirled about me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of the death, the snares of death confronted me. Now think about those four descriptions. He's describing his life. He's, obviously this is a song. It's poetry. But it's a very real expression of his experience. The waves of death. Think about waves. How waves are just... They're always coming. They're, they're relentless. They're never ending. And they intensify in the storm, don't they? 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 3, when David was fleeing from King Saul, he said to Jonathan, the king's son, he said, as surely as the Lord lives with your dad chasing me, there's only a step between death, me and death. He said, the waves are swirling around me. You think of last Sunday when we looked at the prayer of Jonah from the belly of the fish David said or Jonah said I was I was going down fast David had a similar experience Uh, the torrents of destruction he says uh, the torrents of destruction overwhelmed me the the King James Version says the floods of the ungodly overwhelmed me the Hebrew word therefore destruction is Belial which is used in the New Testament for Satan and evil David's saying evil is like a torrent of flood waters that are just shaking everything loose. Just watching again the news this morning of the flood waters in Kentucky and the destruction that has just ravaged those communities. 35 or more people have lost their lives. Homes have been swept away. Everything that was in the way of that water, trees were uprooted, cars swept away, property lost. David said, man, it's like evil is sweeping away everything that is enduring right and good. Man, it sounds a lot like today, doesn't it? The cords of the grave, he said in verse six, or six are coiled around me. The, the, the cords of the grave, they're like, they're like tying me down and I can't escape. I, I'm not going to shake free from this. I, I think of, of Samson, remember? With Delilah, if you tie me down with new cords, I, I, won't, I won't be broke free, right? He broke free. David says, I can't break free. 
the cord. They're, they're coiled around me. They're, they're, they're holding me down. I can't escape this. The snares of death. The snare. They, 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 I'm suddenly trapped. I'm confronted and trapped by death. Uh, uh, it, it seizes me unexpectedly. This is why David is praising the Lord. This is what he's experienced. <clears throat> I think, well, man, that's not my experience. I mean, I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not being tied down by death. I'm not, <clears throat> I don't have people trying to take my life. I don't have somebody chasing me down, hunting me down like Saul was hunting down David. I, I can't relate to this. Let's not move too fast. Jesus, John chapter 8, verse 44, when he was confronted by the religious leaders who opposed him in every way, what did he say? He said, You're, you are just like your father, the devil. He's a murderer and a liar from the very beginning. You and I face an enemy today that is not unlike what David faced. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, um, describing himself as the good shepherd, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, I am, uh, I am the dead, uh, <laughs> let me get the verse right. Um, the thief comes to uh, steal, destroy, and kill. I have come that you might have life and that you might have life abundantly. That the enemy of this, of our soul, is seeking to not only destroy our physical lives, but destroy the life that God has for us. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12, the apostle Paul writes, and he says, For we do not wage war against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual forces in the heavenly places. That <clears throat> our physical experience may not be exactly like David. The spiritual experience is not different. That you and I face an enemy that is seeking to destroy our lives. And this is why we have hope in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who we've sung about this morning. He is the one who through his own death and resurrection will defeat the last enemy, death, at his second coming. Some might look at these verses and might say, well, David, man, you are so depressed and you're, you're, you're just doom and gloom and just talking about death and destruction. Just get with it, brother. Others might say, David, man, you're just using hyperbole and exaggeration. Life's not that bad. What are you talking about? Remember what David's doing. He's praising God for who he is and for what he does. And so what has the Lord done what did the Lord do for David, and what does the Lord do for his people? Remember verse 1? The song that David sang when the Lord, what? Starts with a D. Let's say it together. Starts with a D. Delivered, right? The Lord delivers. <clears throat> and David, beginning in verse 8, he begins to enumerate the ways that he experienced the Lord's deliverance. Verses 8 through 16, 
using poetical language, he describes how God stepped into this world and into this life. And the unseen God, his power was obvious and evident. And we are reminded that God is not indifferent to the plight of his people or to his purposes in this world. Verse 17 and 18, we see that the Lord is the one who rescues He says, he reached down from on high. He took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me. The picture there of the Lord just reaching down from heaven and snatching David by the scruff of his neck and rescuing him. Verse 19. We see how the Lord supports. They confronted me. His adversaries confronted David in the day of my disaster. He says, but the Lord was my support abandoned forsaken opposed by people who sought his demise no one there for David but the Lord was there to support him this has been the experience of God's people has it been your experience the apostle Paul describes something similar of this in his own life as he faces his own end of his life 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, David, not David, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote, he says, at my first defense, when he stood before the emperor, he said, at my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me, may it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. I was delivered from the lion's mouth. Abandoned, forsaken by all, but not banned and forsaken by the Lord. He directs, verse 29, he's the one who gives light to my path. Verse 30, he, he enabled David. He said, David, David says, man, I feel like I can run through a wall. I can, I, I, I can overcome whatever's in front of me. Verse 31, verse 32, he is a shield. Look at verse 31. As for God, his way is perfect. The, Lord, the Lord's word, listen to this, the Lord's word is perfect flawless he shields all who take refuge in him the lord is the way of god is perfect his word is flawless think about that this revelation that we hold in our hands is not merely the compilation of human authors that this is the word of god that has been preserved and given to us by his spirit and everything in this word is trustworthy and true it's flawless the lord shields all those who take refuge in him verse 32 for who is god besides the lord and who is the rock except our god we've seen this before this summer haven't we remember the song of moses Exodus 15, 11, the Lord is a rock and there is no other. We saw it again in the Song of Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 32, 39. The Lord is a rock, there is no other. We saw it in Hannah's song, 1 Samuel chapter 2, 2. The Lord is a rock and there is no other. God wants us to know something about himself. Verses 33 to 43, David says the Lord armed me with strength. Verse 44, he said, David said the Lord preserved my life and so what do we find here we find in this song David praising the Lord 
for what he did in that he gave deliverance. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what the circumstances are in front of you. I just want to assure you this morning that the Lord is the one who delivers his people. He's the one who stands with and he supports his people. You might feel that you're alone. You might imagine that you've too far gone. You've cried out to the Lord and it feels like the heavens are silent. Do not lose hope in the Lord. Not only does the Lord deliver, but verse 7, look again at verse 7. In my distress, David says, I called to the Lord. I called out to my God, and from his temple he heard my voice. My cry came to his ears. David says, in my distress. This is where we found Jonah last week, right? Jonah said, I was in my distress. I called out to the Lord from the belly of a fish. Jonah, David, they were between that rock and the hard place. David was being squeezed. He was under pressure. You know what that's like? And what did David do? He says, in my distress, I called to the Lord. I called out to my God. David did what the people of God do. And that is that we must call out to the Lord. So many times, I think what we do is we've made prayer our last resort when prayer must become our first response. And David just reminds us, he says, listen, I called to the Lord, I called out to my God, and notice what it says, it says, from his temple, he heard my voice. Now, if we're not careful, we can just skip back past that, and we might miss something that is here for us, right? <clears throat> Who built the temple? You guys remember? Solomon. Did Solomon come before or after David? After David. So he says, from his temple, he heard my voice. There was no earthly, physical temple at this time. So what is David referring to? He says, from his temple, he heard my voice. Hebrews chapter 9, Revelation chapter 11, describe for us the temple in heaven, which is the dwelling place of God. The temple, the Bible says that the temple that Solomon built, the tabernacle that God gave instructions for Moses to construct that was in David's day in the city of Shiloh, was a copy of the heavenly temple. So what do we know about the heavenly temple that the Lord heard David from when he cried out in his distress? Remember Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1? We're just going to do a little Bible study, you guys okay? Football season hasn't started. We'll be done in a few minutes. 
You remember Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1? Isaiah's revelation of God. You remember that? In the year that King Uzziah died, earthly king is dead. Funeral arrangements are being made. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord where? In the temple. And where was he? High, seated, and the train of his robe, what? Filled the temple. Think about that. The temple in heaven where God hears the cries of his people is the very throne room of God. It's the temple where the temple speaks of God's majesty and his sovereignty. You think of that train filling the temple that speaks of the resplendent glory of God and his majestic glory. The cherubim angels are bowing before him, calling out holy, holy, holy. His, he is wonderful, matchless. He is ruling and reigning. Hebrews 9 tells us that Jesus entered into this temple. Jesus, Hebrews 9 says Jesus entered into this temple in heaven to appear before God on behalf of all those who have believed on him. Think about that. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 4 through 16 tell us that, that the temple, that, that this throne in the temple of God is a throne of grace where we receive mercy and help to help us in our time of need. You see how important this temple is? Why did David burst into prayer? Into praise, rather? <laughs> because when he prayed, God heard. God heard. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, God delivers. God hears. God helps. So what shall we do with this song? Let me give you a couple applications. Number one. Because of who God is and because of what God does, number one, strengthen yourself in the Lord. When David was fleeing from Solomon, or Solomon, when David was fleeing from King Saul, Psalm chapter 30, verse 6, or for, Psalm, 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, it says that David was greatly distressed and the people were seeking to stone him, right? The people that had... He had come under his charge and he was caring for, who were turning against him. They were seeking to stone him. David strengthened himself in the Lord. Let me encourage you, in the midst of your distress, to strengthen yourself in the Lord. Remember who God is. Remember what God has done. And hold on to that. Hold on to that. Number two, um, call upon the Lord in all of your distress. Uh, David did this very thing that you and I must do as well, and that is, is that prayer must not be our last resort, but prayer must become our first response. Call upon the Lord. Uh, Psalm chapter 145, verses 18 to 20, the Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. He grants the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries for help. He rescues them. The Lord protects all those who love him. He destroys the wicked. Finally, we must do what David did. 
We didn't look at it. I closed my Bible already, but verse 50. David said that he would exalt the Lord among the nations. He would exalt the Lord among the nations. Because you have delivered me, David says, I will declare your praise among the nations. It's interesting. In, I shouldn't have closed my Bible. <laughs> Psalm chapter 22, we have um, the introduction, verse 1, right? The context, what the Lord did. The Lord delivered David. He, David sang the song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And then we have the Lord is my rock. Psalm 18, remember I said Psalm 18 is, Psalm 18 begins this way, verse 1. I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock. Not only take hope, put your hope in the Lord. I encourage you to open up your life to the Lord. To love him from the depth of your being for who he is. Your rock, your refuge, your fortress, your shield, your deliverer, your savior. And because of what he does, he delivers, he hears, he helps.